It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Kirk Cousins coming to Netflix. Can't wait to see what grilling foibles await us now. Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings, and I, for one, am looking forward to all of the new Kirk Cousins memes we're going to get out of this. Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network, and Luke and I have been treated to the exquisite pleasure of Sam taking care of two children, one he had with his wife, the other one, Luke Inman, who was supposed to be here today. (laughs) What the heck? (laughs) Minnesota football party? Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota football party. And it starts now. Welcome in to the Minnesota football party on a snowy Thursday. I'm Sam Ekstrom, joined by Arif Hassan, Luke Braun. Right out of the gate, look who joins us. It's the Spinman, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. Uh, thanks for popping in. Any better. Oh, my God. <laughs> he made it. You tried to lock me up, throw away the key. You can't hold me down, guys. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On today's show, uh, the Minnesota Vikings are going to have a quarterback who's on Netflix, Kirk Cousins, coming to Netflix this summer. We'll, of course, talk about what we're going to expect there. Which Viking besides Justin Jefferson has the highest trade value on the roster and free agency wide receiver targets as well on today's Minnesota football party, which is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. All right, next Netflix conversation right, right out of the gate. I believe the show is called Quarterback. Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota, and Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, there's one quarterback there that stands above the rest as from like star quality factor, and it's clearly Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Um, yep. and, and he will probably steal the show. And it uh, first of all, I've got a follow-up to this, but let's talk about Kirk on Netflix. What do we want to know about the Vikings quarterback and his wild and crazy life off the field? Arif? I want to know if he's still driving that Windstar. Like, he did a commercial for, I think, Ally Bank way back when he was with Washington. Uh, And uh, it was all about all the ways that he saves money, which as you can imagine, are like frustrating to, to people who want to upgrade their lifestyle but don't have the kind of access to money that Kirk Cousins has. <laughs> and he's like driving, like I imagine that he drives like a $500 Windstar and then every year when it inevitably breaks down, he just buys a new one or a new used one, right? And so I just I just have to know if it is, it is, it has occurred to him that actually he would save money by buying a more reliable vehicle. I, I see Kirk Cousins and Julie being like a one car family. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, like, oh, Kirk's at work. Okay, Julie, you got to take 
the Julius dropping Kirk off line. at the Vikings facility and then driving all the way to <laughs> Rosemont High School or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, Julie's taking the kids to to na- the nanny or the daycare or whatever it is. Kirk is like, hey, uh, Chris Boyd, can I carpool with you? Chris Boyd, no offense to him, but one of the last people I'd want to carpool with, uh, especially if I was as safety conscious as Kirk Cousins. Oh, yeah, Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if KFC would, would love to. Line. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'll take the yeah, I, I said, yeah, if I was Kirk Cousins. I mean, yeah. personally, me, I would love to carpool. Oh, okay. Boyd. Yeah. Not expect that that pair. Right. Not that, at all. That's a coffees in cars with comedians. Moment. Yes. Or cars with coffees. Oh, you know my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that show. Yeah. We've already seen some footage of Cousins at home, kind of behind the scenes before, playing with the kids in the yard, eating the keto diet and broccoli or whatever healthy diet he's on with the wife at the dinner table. I'm not saying I won't watch it, but I don't know if anything really, when I think about Kirk Cousins as like a character on a TV show, really gets me that excited. Unless, I, I trust the editing. Yeah. The editing can mask a ton <laughs> of stuff. It. You're right. Editing is magic you're totally right but unless he's tucking the kids and the wife into bed and then sneaking down the basement and sitting there watching all 22 at night giving us the inside scoop on like the playbook and the verbiage and the concepts and all that i I just don't know what all 22 direction because a husband sneaking away from the wife to go to the basement (laughs) to watch some stuff does not typically go in such a g-rated manner hey hey julie it does when you're they were playing playing game on nfl network i had to be there yeah i had to watch it (laughs) i i picture um kirko chains thing well first of all hopefully that wasn't contrived by netflix producers hopefully that was as organic as it seemed but i i'd like to to picture video of kirk getting a a facetime from his dad who disapproves of who kirk is becoming like don calls him up and he's like kirk you're headed down a dangerous path son I, I saw you on an airplane with rap music in the background and chains around your neck. What is happening? Children are imitating you, Kirk. I, I heard the music on those TikToks. It was not music of God. <laughs> <laughs> this this is going to be a. Th- I I want Don Cousins to like secretly steal the show in some way, whether he like yeah. plays into the yeah. stereotype or whether he's totally unhinged or hilarious. I hope Don is a big per- a big part of this. Mm-hmm. They really picked three of the most like vanilla. That's what I'm people. saying. Yeah. Like, get like Baker Mayfield in there. Get me if you want to totally like, let's yeah, get Aaron Rodgers in there. I'm, and I'm let's wondering get if the NFL had a role in, in, <laughs> right. in like selecting the quarterbacks there. Right. Like, oh, you want to film quarterbacks? Uh, here's a list of five. You can pick three. And Kirk yeah. Cousins would 100% be on that list. <laughs> For Jimmy, sure. definitely not on that list. Kirk, on the list. Mahomes, yeah, like- 100%. Oh, yeah, here's our golden boy star, clean yeah. as a whistle. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. The epitome of what the NFL represents right here. This yeah. is it. No, that right guy in this Cleveland? is a reflection no, 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 on no, no, all no. of us. Yeah. <laughs> Any guy in Cleveland? Absolutely not. Yeah, no, no, no. The no, cameras no. follow Deshaun Watson on and off the field. As a producer, writer, creator of a reality TV show, I mean, you guys know, like, you're looking for those flamboyant, off the wall kind of characters. And, like, Cousins obviously is not it. It might be his interactions with, uh, he could be true. Be like Larry David, right? Like, he's the straight totally. man. Everyone else around him is mm-hmm. so he is the 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 everything bounces off of him and the camera just follows him. Totally. Yeah. 
if know, this I, ends up somehow bending into like it turns out he's just a Seinfeld Larry David right, yeah, yeah. vibe bit kind of tone <laughs> the whole time. I'll, I'll love it. I'll go nuts. That would be incredible. I kind of I kind of think Kirk is low key hilarious to be honest with you. Like mm-hmm. I think he's got some dad humor, but like, well, he's leaning he, into it too. Yeah, he's it's, really I, leaning into it. To like, me, some stuff to is me, I feel like more of a bit. Then comes across. Right. Well, that, but also I would imagine it's one of those scenarios where, yeah, he's funny, but not usually intentionally. Unintentional humor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he finds Mm -hmm. out that that he was funny and then he leans into it. Right. Like, I think that that's kind of the cycle for. Yeah. It's like when Kirk was shocked to find out that the offensive lineman found it hilarious when he runs the football. He was like, I had no idea. I had no idea they'd react that way. Right. Right. I, I don't think it, he thought that the uh that the that his touchdown celebration the dead arm dance or whatever it was uh-huh i don't yeah. think he thought that that was funny until it was funny he thought it was cool that was he thought he was doing something cool mm-hmm. it was like adam zealand and his golf buddies or his like old college buddies or something would do kirk it Cousins and then thing. and well kirk did it in the end zone first but he but adam zealand right. showed it to him oh okay well i'm sure kirk thought it was cool until he didn't did catch it on, on like the gritty yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it didn't. No, it didn't. It's going to be Kirk going through his old baseball card collection and then calling each player and giving them a nickname because he gave Derisaw the crime dog Fred McGriff <laughs> nickname and he's just going through his cars. And go, All right, let me call up CJ Ham. CJ, <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, you're Bogsy. Uh, Wait, Bogsy. Is, you is, know there anybody, is there anybody named Sam on the roster? Slam and Sammy. How about Big <laughs> yeah. Mac? Do we have a McDonald on the roster? Yeah. That's um, so good. Uh, you know how there's a Wikipedia for all of the nicknames Donald Trump calls people, which, by the way, if you didn't know about it, now you know about it. And now you need mm-hmm. to check it out because it's amazing. Oh, wow. Wow. There needs to be a Wikipedia entry for all of the nicknames Kirk Cousins comes up with for his teammates. Right. Yes, I would love that. I can't think of like more like a few of them even off the top of my head, but I know they've they've definitely been around. You'll marry in flash. Digsy. Oh, the Marion Flash. That's Kill probably number one. Yeah, Vegas which Vipers. Big review. Only two people are allowed to call yeah. him, and one of them is Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't like that, guys. I don't like that. I only let two people call me that. Yeah, that don't is do that. incredible. A, a mama and Kirk Cousins. Yeah. <laughs> um, follow up question. So I got this kind of inspired me to do a Minnesota sports rankum show. It's the new uh, locked on sports, Minnesota show that we, uh, we settle debates and we start new ones. And I tried to rank the top five Netflix worthy Minnesota Viking seasons. So most drama filled, crazy Viking seasons of all time. I'm not going to tell you my list because I want you to watch the show, but Luke Braun, you had an opinion on Twitter. You think 1987, What's number one? Yes. I had that as number an honorable one. mention. Tell me why number it should be number one. one. It, so 1987 would be the cleanest narrative. I think there are better seasons from an on-field, like 2009 is probably more fun to watch on the field, but off the field, 1987, that was a group of people who, via a strike, mm-hmm. learned, they were not as nearly as together as they were until they spent three weeks at Normandale Community College practicing and watching their team fall apart, which would like, also be a fantastic like uplifting, chapter. Like there's yeah. a great narrative. The replacement. phenomenal narrative. It's the replacements. It. Yes. Yeah. It's okay, absolutely. That season was 100% a movie. Like you could do yeah. great with 1969 because of all the personalities would be right. so much fun. Assuming you could get a talking head with them, which I don't know if you can with a lot of those guys these days. Right. You know, 2010 would be fun, but it would be kind of just disaster salad. Like there's not really... Well, 
Okay, uh, so, like so a, sounds a like clear narrative to it. So, because because when Sam mentioned this, I had three in mind. Obviously, 2010 was in there, but that was not my number one. And I am looking for moments, not narratives. So uh, maybe I wouldn't have been a great uh, director for this, right? Because uh, I'm not thinking about how the season comes together, what messages there are to tell, what storylines to follow throughout the season. I'm thinking of just incredible moments. And I don't think you can beat 2005 for that, for the ups and the downs, 2005. Oh, yeah. 2005 would be great. Yeah, especially if you start early in the offseason. Dante, right? yeah. Because you get like Love Boat, you get the Mike Tice scandal, you get... All of this stuff that occurred during this, like just an incredible series. They just traded away Randy Moss. You know, it's like there's so much going on in 2005. 2010, I think, is amazing. I think any season that can be punctuated with um, like one of the rising actions before the final rising action at the end of the season would be the Metrodome collapse. That's just an amazing visual. Uh, But from a storytelling Mm -hmm. perspective, the one that popped into my head was 2017. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, sure. That's an incredible season for that because of all of the stuff. Feel good. Yeah, so feel good. And Case Keenum is such like a great, like uh, central casting type character. Maybe, you know, he doesn't have like the the exact same camera presence as like a Tom Brady, but the amount of like likability that he has, the ability for a locker room to like, he is he's such a good story to tell in a lot of ways. So from a storytelling perspective, 2017 to me, um, but I primarily focused on seasons that had really entertaining disasters. So 2005, 2010. Yeah, 2005, that's a great shout out. I would have never thought about 2005 until you brought that up. And same with you, Luke, 1987. I I was just looking it up. Jerry Burns, Chris Dolman, Joey Browner, they go into the postseason with the least points of any playoff team, and they still go upset at New Orleans and at San Francisco. The San Francisco game. The old Anthony Carter was 261 game that yeah. was is such a perfect narrative moment because the 49ers they had to be double digit underdogs for that game. Oh, it had to be uh, the 49ers are such a good antagonist because Joe Montana and I believe Jerry Rice crossing the picket line was like the watershed moment for the strike falling apart. Yeah. And the both the, the Vikings and Washington had s- stayed together um as kind of like they they nobody from the vikings crossed the picket line except for two guys who were injured and they had the blessing of their teammates because they needed like team facilities the same thing happened Um, with the eagles yeah yeah a few teams yeah um yeah so like they go into san francisco as huge underdogs as the team that stayed together versus the 49ers who were the patriots of the 80s i mean that's joe montana at like the height of their powers and go and upset them absolutely incredible moment uh and then you go into washington washington was kind of just as much a good guy as you are and they've got doug williams and all this other stuff and you have this kind of heartbreak moment at the end um but i have another one that none of you said but before before you get to that uh, that second one i just want to reiterate the san francisco point because not only if you do era adjustments for how quarterbacks perform uh, Joe Montana's late 80s stuff is is up there with the best, right? Mm-hmm. 1989, 1988, just incredible seasons. He's obviously, everyone knows about the Joe Montana, Jerry Rice offense, right? The thing is, people forget this about that era of the 49ers. They consistently had top three defenses as well. They were absolute juggernauts in every sense. Their special teams were incredible. They're absolute juggernauts in every sense of the word, and they were overwhelming favorites in most of the games that they played throughout the 80s. So I just wanted to add, like, the the 49ers, you remember them being good. They were better than you remember. And didn't Montana get benched 
in that playoff game? Did he, Luke? I don't remember. Or, or at least, maybe not. Maybe that. benched is the wrong word, but pulled late because it was out of hand. I, I want to say that happened. Could wow. be wrong. Um, okay, so if Hollywood was making a movie out of these seasons, right? Like 98 and 09 would be the flashy popcorn mm-hmm. movie, Bang Bang, directed by 98 like, would be great because everybody on there had no business being in the NFL. Yeah. Like John Randall was too small and Randy Moss was too much of a head case. And all, yeah. Like every single one of them had a reason why like they shouldn't have made it. And then they were all yeah. kind of, but Denny Green believed in them. It's I mean, Chris Carter, right? Totally. Yeah, Chris Carter. Totally. I'm thinking like Ridley Scott or Michael Bay. 05, now that a reef brought it up quentin tarantino maybe david fincher somebody else directing that that 05 one man now that you laid out that if, if story tarantino line. Is directing that we're gonna get a lot more love boat than i had originally anticipated <laughs> when I we need it we need it and then 2017 like a paul thomas anderson christopher nolan somebody like that but i think 2017 out of all of them probably be my number one pick you guys laid out a lot of good options i i, I would like to christopher about. nolan directed 2010 season that i would <laughs> there yeah yeah it is yeah Plus, I mean, he's already had a dark stadium horse. collapse. Yeah. Dark horse. I have a dark horse. 1997. Hear me out. Uh, the season before that, Denny Green publishes an explosive autobiography, which would be an incredibly tumultuous place to begin the documentary, where he basically called out ownership and the media and all this stuff, made a bajillion right. enemies. And, oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's been the coach for like five, six years now. And hasn't won a playoff game yet. He's doing the Marvin Lewis thing where he can cannot win in the postseason. And so everybody is just begging for an excuse to fire Denny Green. On top of that, the front office and business side of the Vikings is a an abject yes. catastrophe. As yeah. bad as it has ever been. They're hemorrhaging money. There is genuine talk of moving to Birmingham, Alabama. Um, that season had to come together the way that it did. And when they make that comeback in the playoffs in the wild card game against the giants, I genuinely think if they lose that game, they fire Denny green, mm-hmm. they're in a total rebuild mode and they are going to be the stadium lease will be up. They'll be forced to sell the team, but there won't be enough energy around the team to sell them with a clause that they can't move it. So I don't think you get red McCombs coming in wow. talking about purple pride and stuff. I think some other random person comes in and moves them right. to San Antonio or Birmingham or whatever. I genuinely think that that Giants game saved the Vikings. Wow. And the togetherness, you still get 99% of those narratives of, of 98 with John Randall and, and Randall Cunningham and Chris Carter. You don't get Randy Moss, but I tease it at the end, right? Uh, and you can get so much like the stakes are as high as they have ever been for the Minnesota Vikings franchise on the line. I'll say this about it. Um, The Birmingham stuff. I think a lot of people don't realize how close that was. The Birmingham stuff was almost a lock. Um, Yeah. Second, I think the, the way that you construct that makes a ton of sense because when you take a look at some of the movies that have been, you know, built around franchises, the dual uh, tumultuousness of the coach and the executives, right, mm-hmm. um, is like a big part of how a lot of these narratives are sold. The coaches and the executives are antagonized against each other. Obviously, there's a power dynamic there, but the executives have their own pressure. One thing I would also add is that players love the heck out of Denny Green. They loved Denny. Yeah. And so winning that playoff game, knowing that if he loses, he's probably fired. I think that there is some genuine emotion you can like pull out of that using the using players yeah. as kind of like an audience fill in for how much you're supposed to like the coach. 
that that's a, a great season where the playoff win is actually the the focal that's point the of win. that. Yeah. yeah. Whereas a lot of a lot of seasons, it's like you focus on okay, that was a nice playoff win, but then the next week, right? Yeah. Then the loss. Right. That season they went and got dusted about, by San Francisco. Yeah. But nobody no cared. one cared about yeah, that. Okay. Um, I think if you started, and then we'll move on. I think if you started the series, the Minnesota Vikings year by year, and it was just an annual series starting in '97, almost every season would be pretty interesting TV. That's just how Watch how the, the Vikings guy. are. Yeah. There's very there'd be very few like oh one oh two. Um, even 06, 06 was exciting. Oh, six, no, you have a coaching change, mm-hmm. right? Because well, the coach, the quarterback, uh, Brad Nash. Johnson, Tavares <laughs> Jackson. Oh, yeah. seven maybe is the more of a clunker. Ninety nine, but that's Peterson's rookie year. You know, ninety nine, Jeff George, Jeff um, Dimitri Underwood, early early Leslie, kind of kind of a crappy one. To Reef's point about twenty ten, you're getting some Joe Webb action in there. Come hey. on, what more do you want? Joe Webb on a Tuesday, best supporting character. Yeah, the award goes to yeah, yeah. Antoine Winfield sacking Michael Vick. Oh my god. <laughs> Scoop and score. Oh, yes. Cornerback <laughs> blitz. Love it. In Philly. Um, we're going to talk. Uh, who has the most trade value on the Vikings besides Justin Jefferson? That's after I tell you uh, that FanDuel fuels the show. And as we come out of the NBA All-Star break, you can wager on NBA action as the season comes down to the wire. And you can get a no-sweat first bet if you're a new sign-up. Get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Use the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Very easy to use. You can combine all of your bets easily with the same game parlay and enhance your possibility of winning big bucks. And also that no sweat first bet for first time signups. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more. FanDuel. A question I got yesterday from Kyle on Twitter. It was too late for a mailbag show, so I'm going to ask it here. Outside of Jefferson... Which player holds the highest trade value on the current roster, in your opinion? Um, I think this could go any number of different ways. Luke Inman, what do you think? Got to start with Derisaw because between the age, he's only, what, 23? He's only got two years of wear and tear. And plus, tackles are just a position when you do find a premium one. We've seen some of these guys able to play at a high level well into their 30s. So if I'm a team trading for Derisaw, I'm thinking, hey, there might be a realistic chance I'm getting this guy for 10-plus years at a high level. And then you combine that with the fact that I think he's probably just the best overall player outside of J.J. right now on the roster, top to bottom. I think you could argue Cousins is number two because of the position he plays, and quarterbacks are obviously far more valuable, and that's true. But I think Derrissaw is a guy, to the right team at the right time, his ceiling in a trade value beats out Cousins' ceiling. And maybe you could talk someone giving you even three first-rounders for him, honestly, given his age and how good he's been. That's his ceiling, not out of the realm of possibilities. On the other hand, you're not getting that with Cousins. Two first-rounders, maybe? Like too late first, I guess it could happen. Just given the supply and demand at the position right now, there's so many teams that need a quarterback right now in the league. But teams know with his age, too, they probably can't count on, I would think, anything more than two, three great years from him. Then he's probably going to start to decline. So J.J., Derrissaw, then probably Kirk. Right now, when you look at the league, there's legitimately 12, 13, 15 teams right now that could be in the market for a quarterback this offseason. Outside of those three, I'd probably go Brian O'Neill. I'm interested to see what you guys have ranked for those top three, four guys. Would um, would Laramie Tunsil be a good comp for Christian Derrissaw's value? Two first-round picks and a second? 
So I was actually about to bring up Laramie Tunsil as a comparison for Christian Derrissaw to kind of contrast with what Luke was saying about quarterback value, because I think that that is a really interesting conversation. Christian Derrissaw, of course, is on a rookie contract. That's a really important consideration. Kirk Cousins only has a year left on his current contract, and it is an expensive contract. That is a huge consideration. Um, and so these could go in a lot of different ways. Um, I don't think Kirk Cousins pulls the Deshaun Watson trade value, right? Um, it is much more probably than the Jimmy trade value from New England to San Francisco, but probably, um, I don't know, because the, the 49ers didn't trade Jimmy from San Francisco to somewhere else. That would have been an interesting comparison, given contract and play style and, and history of success and all that. Um, so I, I instinctively, I want to say that Cousins has a higher trade value just because of the position, but the contract situation makes Derrissaw as an asset. And I kind of hate talking about players this way, but that's just how you have to talk about it when you talk about trades. Um, the the, the Derrissaw contract is, I think, probably a better asset, but I do think that it is really close. Um, the one thing I'll say is that there is one other rookie uh, or one other rookie contract that the Vikings have that has a higher PFF grade than Christian Derrissaw. Only one. Uh, it is Jalen Naylor. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Stud. So Stud Jalen Naylor. Yeah. So uh, you know that that's that's a hot contract. You got to unload it. You'd probably get three first round picks. I think. Yep. Um, Easy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's something you have to consider as well. Do you have and to take into account that it they, was the Houston Texans? No, absolutely. Trade, Bill O'Brien, yeah. bring him back. Partner, Bill O'Brien. Years of football, yeah, uh, because they sell like DeAndre Hopkins for a second, they buy Laramie Tunsil mm -hmm. for two firsts in a second, like it just it was wild, hustling backwards yeah. to the nth degree. They have not close to recovered from that, no. And granted, they got Tunsil and what they also traded Kenny Stills, okay, a fourth and mm -hmm. a six, okay. I'm just looking at the details, but still, if he goes for two firsts in a second, granted, that's Bill O'Brien, you're right, that was the Texans, but gives you an idea, at least a general ballpark. And you yeah. bring up a great point the contract. The value of that cheap rookie contract is worth a lot too. Um, I I was thinking Daniil Hunter as an That's option here, and I up. think of Khalil Mack as a comp. I think Mack probably at the time in his career, still on a rookie deal for at least one more year, right on the verge of his first extension, he brought in two firsts and change, I believe, and there was some other pick exchanging going on, but but the crux of it was two firsts. Um, at this point in his career, Daniil probably falls short of that. Bron, what do you mm -hmm. think? Part of it with Daniil Hunter is that his contract, um, if you trade for him, you are paying him $4.9 million. Is <laughs> he's in a like a dip of his base salary because a lot of it was uh put into bonus, which is why I, I think an extension is kind of likely this year. Um but you were getting super him super friendly traded deal is what you're saying. Yeah. And he wouldn't play on it, mm -hmm. but he, you would be able to trade for him and then work out whatever contract you want. Having control over that, I think makes for mm. it, it depends on the situation. Cause sometimes that can be an obstacle like with Derek Carr. Uh, but I think with Daniel Hunter, if you can like strike that deal, then that would make it even more attractive of a package rather, rather than, inheriting whatever contract the Vikings came up with. Um, but the problem is because of all that prorated bonus, it would have to be a post June thing for the Vikings to even save the money. Would this take year. On an enormous hit just from trading. 
Right. And they, they could post June to defer the meat of that hit, but then they would be eating like 12 million dead next year. Right. So it's like kind of what's the point? Do yeah. all yeah. three of you have Hunter more valuable than Brian O'Neill? And if so, is it just because he's coming off the Achilles? Is it close? Is it kind of um, lopsided? I, I I would say yes, uh, without even knowing the uh, the specificities of that contract that Luke just outlined. Mm-hmm. Um, for a couple of reasons, one, Hunter, despite missing a lot of time due to injury, has actually been more consistent in his on-field performance from year to year. Um, and I know that's not the perception. I know that people perceive Brian O'Neill to have been a remarkably uh, consistent and talented right tackle. And for the most part, he is. But he has still not reached the level of play he had right before his new deal. He has been a good right tackle. He was on the verge of being a top five right tackle. He is not. Daniil Hunter is a higher ceiling and a higher floor. Um, so that is why personally, I think Hunter should be more valuable. I don't know if he, I don't know if the NFL regards him as more valuable. Um, but then also edge rushers generally just see a little bit more value than offensive tackles, especially right tackles, even though the uh, value proposition of right versus left has been evening out in no small part because of Lane Johnson. So, um, I, to me, Hunter is more valuable. Uh, I recognize that I'm probably not in the majority on that one. But but the Christian Derrissaw rookie deal and the years left on it, that yeah. would that would That's... elevate him into a clear, probably yeah. number two spot behind Justin Jefferson, who, by the way, the um Sam Munson released his top twenty-five NFL mm. players of the year from last year. He has a, a top one oh one list. Do you wanna if you know the answer, don't spoil it. Where do you think Justin Jefferson ended up? Four. Top, top one hundred and one players. I'm gonna yeah, says four. I was gonna say top five, so I'll say five. Ron, yeah, I'll go five, five, eighth. Hmm. Above him, Mahomes. Yeah, sure. Chris Jones, number oh, okay. two. Okay, I get it. All right, Joe Burrow. Does that also mean Quinton's above him? That's interesting. Well, I, I'm wondering if it, because Chris Jones only got there because of. This year, I mean, Chris Jones has been really good for a long time, but Chris Jones this year was the best defensive tackle in football. Quinnen was right there with him. And yeah. if this year is putting a lot of value in Sam Monson's top list, then Quinnen might be above Jefferson too, which I'd find really fascinating. Is it just based off like the grade? No, it's just no, no, no. Has something no to this do is with Sam's it, personal opinion. Got it. Okay. Heavily influenced, of course, by grade. But sure. Yeah. Okay. Mahomes, Jones, Burrow, Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Travis, Travis Kelsey, not right. Jason. Yeah, Micah Parsons. Yeah, Miles mm-hmm. Garrett. Wow. And then the controversy, Tyreek Hill gets the nod over Justin Jefferson. That's the, that's that the debate. That's yep. that's interesting. That's interesting. Been the debate um, all year. Yeah, I, I think that it is really difficult for people to, and this is not like a criticism necessarily. They might be right. Um, for people to ignore the coverage changing value of Tyreek Hill in ways that are more predictable than the coverage changing value of Justin Jefferson in ways that you can plan around it. Plus it is very easy to envision how Tyreek Hill helps in offense. My argument would be that if you didn't know the quality of your quarterback or what skill set they had, you would absolutely 100% want Justin Jefferson because if you are not that great at throwing a deep ball, 
you are missing a lot of potential value out of Tyreek Hill. Now, he's a great after-catch runner. He's a great screen target. He's one of the best, right? It's not just because of his speed. He has a lot of understanding of space, and he does a great job breaking tackles. But Jefferson makes quarterbacks look better, period, in every throw. So I think there's that. Plus, I just think that Jefferson, like, even though the deep value stuff is very easy to imagine because you could just imagine the one play, I think Jefferson provides more value from play to play on a marginal level, not by a substantial amount, than Tyreek Hill. They've also got an error here. They say that Tyreek Hill led the league with 3.07 yards per route run. No, he didn't. Jalen Naylor led the league in yards per route run with with (laughs) 5.77. on it. Put Come on, Sam Munson. Yeah, I loses. You should credibility you should tweet that. Man. Yeah, you should say that. Forty-eight explosive plays as a pass catcher, just one more than Justin Jefferson. Wow, that offense made that a little bit easier. I'm just saying. No, even right. even though part of the year they had Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> um, thanks for listening to the Minnesota Football Party today. Make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Lockdown's take of the day. Lockdown Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Who can help Justin Jefferson in free agency? I'm looking at these free agent wide receivers. There's a lot of guys that are going to command some pretty big contracts, probably out of the Vikings' scope. Who could the Vikings add maybe on a budget in free agency? I want some names. Uh, Luke Braun, wide receiver help in free agency as we continue on our uh, free agency preview series. I have a very degenerate idea, and it's because I could never quit Michael Thomas. Can we see what he's got? Can we throw? Can you we throw something boy? at him? Yeah, you want slap boy? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, got anything to take? Let's let's throw I mean, a couple I mil mean, at him. I'm so in. I mean, one, 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 of was, one of my best draft hits was Michael Thomas. I might have had him wide receiver one in that draft, so uh, I'll take it. But <laughs> but man, that's. That's that's a lot of personality that you're bringing in. <laughs> Sam, you said there's a lot of guys that are, can command a lot of money. I don't know. I looked through that list. I went 30, 40. Did, it's, not it's a not, lot it's of It's not a wonderful list. Jacoby Myers is probably. That was my guy. Yeah. Alan Lazard or Jacoby Myers. Myers surprised me a little bit. 13 contested catches last season. 19 oh, the year was, before. Uh, he ended up on my top 20 receivers list over at, at Pro Football Network. He was remarkably good. And I think that people didn't get a good grasp of that just because of how Patriots poor the offense. offensive coordinating was. Yeah. yeah. And, and like Mac Jones, I am, I'm probably better characterized as a Mac Jones hater. He mm-hmm. is better than what that offense was able to put out there. I really blame uh, the Matt Patricia, Joe judge offense. A thing that I thought I would never say in my life, Matt Patricia, Joe judge offense. Mm-hmm. So I think with Bill O'Brien, it's going to be better, but Jacoby Myers made that offense do anything at all because it mm-hmm. by right should not he's a yeah. good player he's mm-hmm. a really good player i think a lot of people are going to be surprised by the amount of money he gets but that's going to be part because he's the top receiver on the market right you just get a ton of money that way and he's actually a lot better than people think but yeah this receiver market is not great at the top but i think for for sam's point it, to to really continue arguing there's a lot of great receivers that fit with the vikings deed which is not a wide receiver one but a complimentary piece i mean like Paris Campbell, even, was even when you go down to like Alan Lazard, right? Like that's a great complimentary piece to have for sure. There are six receivers projected by PFF to make eight figure salaries. Um, Myers tops the list, but you know who else is on that list is Michael Thomas. They think Michael Thomas will get a one year prove it deal. 10 million guaranteed. What? 
Guaranteed. Hey, Odell's on that list too. Okay. A Odell. value up to 10 hey, mil. Odell is experienced with this offense. That's true. True. And with O'Connell himself. Yeah, yeah I think that's what I was saying, Luke. Thank you. They project him to make 11 million a year. Lazard would probably be my top option, honestly. Over my Myers, I mean, more of a slack guy, Arif. Like, he only had one drop. I know his drop rate's great, his contested catch rate's great, but I think this team with JJ looking for more of like a stable boundary target, you know, unless you had a game plan, I guess, with Myers, if they did sign him. Again, probably unlikely to spendy, but. You know, if you can get past the fact that he's more of a slot guy, have a game plan how to use KJ and JJ. I'll be honest. Okay. I mean, like he's got he's got the frame and the size, and he doesn't really have a lot of the prototypical quickness you expect out of the slot. He played a lot of the outside last year. They didn't play a ton of wide receivers, so um, I yeah. But like you, you can move him around. I think that uh, as a complementary piece, he is good, not great. Uh, again, like I said, I agree with you about the Lazard stuff, but. Um, genuinely Odell Beckham would be good. Genuinely Michael Thomas, if you can get kind of, uh, a, not a guarantee about his health, but if you have some assurance about what his health is at, where his health is at would be great. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's a, there's a number of complimentary guys that I could be intrigued by for sure. Mm-hmm. Should we dust off the Keelan Cole has a connection with Keenan McCardell stories? Absolutely. Off of Keelan's worst year. Perfect. That's value. We need that annual wide receiver signing that everybody's like, ah, boom, there's our next complimentary guy who then doesn't make the team. That that could be your DJ Chark. Who was the guy from the Titans we signed? Former first rounder. Well, not Tajay Tajay Sharp, but he was a former Titan. Titan? Yeah, Tajay Sharp is probably what you think. He's like a fifth round pick though, right? He just dusted the Vikings. Wasn't Michael Floyd? No. That's from Arizona. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was uh, Randy Moss is a former first round Titans receiver. True. <laughs> <laughs> Who then played for the Vikings after his time with the Titans? No, no, no the Titans <laughs> was the way around. With the Wasn't it? Oh, was that the was that at yeah, the end? That was his final stop. That was his final yeah. stop. <laughs> Sammy Watkins is perpetually available. Hey, talk about a complimentary piece. That's like the Kendall the, Wright. Hey, Robert Woods is available that. now too. Oh, right? yeah, I yeah. That. Robert Woods. Yeah, Robert Woods. Oh, Kendall Wright's who you're thinking Could of. Okay. Stick Great. it to the Packers and get Jake Kumaro. People are yeah, so excited about there Kendall you go. Wright. I know. Yeah. God, the Kumaro stuff is so funny, man. <laughs> He's like the Nathaniel Hackett of wide receivers. You're bringing him in for one reason. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the Jets signed Kumaro? <laughs> Like, hey, I need it. <laughs> They're going to sign Connect Jeff the Janis, Robert Onion, <laughs> and Kumaro. We're not signaling, but think about it. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. You get Garrett Wilson, Jake Kumaro. Interesting tandem right there. Uh, this show is fueled by FanDuel, and we also love to talk about the XFL. So I think we need to do an XFL parlay contest for the rest of the year. Uh, who's game for that? I'm in. Sure. Yeah, sure. Perfect. I figured out who's in the XFL. You guys are done for. <laughs> All right, this show is fueled by FanDuel, and uh, what better place to get in on the XFL action than at FanDuel? We are starting a new contest, XFL Parlays, a $500 two-leg parlay every week on our favorite semi-professional football league, the XFL. 
Um, as the winner of our last two contests, Luke Inman, I think you have earned the right to start first with our XFL parlays. Um, I know that you study this tirelessly, day and night, night and day, so I assume you'll have all the inside scoop. What do you think? I like the Renegades with the points, four and a half, and the over getting plus 100, even money there, 39 and a half. I like that combo right there. I'm going to take that one first. Overall, take that one off the board for you guys. The same game. Wow. 266 plus 266. 266. Put it on the board. Plus 266. Uh, let's go around the circle, and then we'll, we'll rotate every week. Arif Hassan. All right. So I have a commitment to a bit that I must defend. <laughs> so I will have to take the Seattle Sea Dragons minus four and a half against the St. Louis Battlehawks, of course, because the Seattle Sea Dragons have Ben DiNucci, who, again, you cannot convince me otherwise, played fantastic football last week. So, uh, taking the Seattle Sea Dragons minus four. Classic Seattle loyalty. <laughs> ah, I, I, it's so upsetting <laughs> that Ben DiNucci went to Seattle of all places. Somebody had to say it. This I know, but come on. <laughs> um, so funny. I uh, I also I want to take the other side of Luke's bet. I do think that Arlington is. Uh, I don't know if underrated is the right word here. But I think Arlington's a fine team. I like Devion Smith. Um, but I will I will say that um where is it? I have it here. I will say that I I I really think both the San Antonio Brahmas and the Orlando Guardians are disasters. I don't think they know who they are. Um I'm gonna take the under there, 38 and a half points. That's plus two seventy-two. I really wanted that under. So this, so you <laughs> that arrived specific at one too. Yeah, the Sea wow. Dragons minus four and a half, and the under in Brahmas and Guardians. Yeah, offshore racket. Uh, Luke Braun. <laughs> uh, ah, shoot. All right. Well, I am going to take. I actually really believe in the St. Louis Battlehawks, so I'm actually going to take the other side of plus four and a half St. Louis Battlehawks against the Sea Dragons. They probably have, if I'm being I'm going to drop the bit for a second, that's probably the best bet of the week. They probably have the best quarterback in yeah. the league. Yeah. <laughs> what is AJ McCarron doing to the XFL? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, famously ripped off 15 points in a minute by converting on a three-point conversion point in a fourth play. and 15 yeah. Onside kick thing, very cool. Um, and then one I of think, the better receivers. I, this is ridiculous. And then you know what? I'll go at odds with Inman, and I will take Renegades Roughnecks. It's just the highest over under, and it's still the XFL. So I'm just going to keep going on XFL unders, and I'll take under 39 and a half for Roughnecks Renegades. That puts me at plus 242. I'm surprised that nobody has taken the one juggernaut in this league, the Houston Roughnecks coached by Wade Phillips to cover the spread minus four and a half. I thought that was going to be gone right away. Which I, I, I checked out as soon as Luke said Roughnecks. I was like, yeah, that's gone now. I had the yeah. seventh, the seventh, like what, like selection basically. And I got my number one pick. Unbelievable. Wait, I probably and should then, have snaked this, huh? Well, I know well, because it's a parlay. <laughs> it's a parlay. I think we uh, just yeah, do I one guess. parlay. I think one XFL yeah. parlay is enough to be. Yeah, honest. we're good. 
Yeah, <laughs> we hit our quota. We're, we're not we're that good. degenerate. No. So the <laughs> defenders and the Vipers, have we wagered on that at all? I don't think so. No. Um, I'm gonna go a little long shot. Let's go money line on the defenders. I just think that Vegas doesn't have any any real home field advantage, do they? I think DC is gonna bring the pain. The defenders, they're gonna defend, they're gonna play defense, shut out on the Who, way. Uh, who's the defenders quarterback, Sam? Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Defenders plus 140. What does that come to, Bron? That comes to plus 380. Yeah, it was Jordan Tamu. Yeah, Jordan Tamu, the old. Oh, it is Jordan Tamu. That's right. Yeah, plus oh, and, and Derek King running back. rotating in. Yeah, and Derek King, but I mean, he's a receiver. Ah, I love a quarterback rotation. But they've got right well He played like three drives in that game. <laughs> yeah, but he threw the ball twice. Let's. Yeah. He carried the ball eight times. It's time to tell you who spilled their proverbial drink on the sofa. Get ready for this week's party foul. I'm not going to stoop so low as to say that this is on the meteorologists. I mean, I, I just because they underestimated the snow, I think we, we can all be more civil than that, right? That's up to you. I, I don't have yeah. a commitment to civility at oh, all. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Party fouls. Biggest I thought you. I thought that was your party foul. I thought that was you going. My party foul was on those that dare criticize the integrity of our weather men and women. <laughs> How dare you, Dalgo? How about this? Uh, party foul. Really a latent, really a latent party foul on the Colts. Technically a repeat party foul um, for hiring. Jeff Saturday is their interim head coach when Bubba Ventrone was right there. The reason that he left the Colts organization, uh, as is being speculated today, is because he had the job title, responsibility, and experience to be the interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. They did not give it to him. Uh, the speculation is that he felt disrespected, which is why he took a lateral move to be the special teams coordinator with the Cleveland Browns. Um, it's tough to find good special teams coordinators. That's one of them. You screwed it up by trying to hire a friend instead of going through the process, and you lost the faith of your entire coaching staff. Party foul on the Colts. Mm. Party yeah, foul ahead. on whoever inside the Broncos leaked that they were going to interview Matt Patricia. That cannot be real. That was 100% a smoke operation to try to figure out who was leaking things uh, because then they immediately hired Vance Joseph like the day after that. There's no way that was serious. So uh, whoever Joseph's got caught, going back to the Broncos. Whoops. Yeah. As of uh, oh. 50 minutes ago. Oh yeah. It broke like we got to dust off Sergio that. dip for another sideline. Report. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's having the time yeah. of his life. Too good. <laughs> Too good. Uh, Luke Inman. Totally transparent. Didn't have one ready. Locked and loaded. I went to ESPN's homepage here. Front and center. It's a repeat party foul for me. I just hate this whole Lamar Jackson Ravens mess that they're in. Just in a total standoff right now. When I look at that situation, honestly, for Lamar's sake, wish he would have just taken the whatever it was, 150 mil guaranteed when he had the chance, hire a real agent, get a deal done, and be done with it. I think about this from the Ravens' perspective, too, like from the front office lens. You draft Lamar with the 32nd pick. You get him on a rookie deal for five years at a Pro Bowl level. No better dream scenario there. You franchise tag him this year, for example. Definitely plausible. Could happen. And then you could trade him for, what, three first-round picks? 
And then you take those picks, you move up for a guy like Anthony Richardson, you start the cycle all over again for another five, six years. The return on that investment for one late first round pick, truly incredible. Just from that front office lens for the Ravens. Lamar, though, I don't know the numbers or anything, the details behind the scenes, obviously. I just really wish they would have got a deal done by now. I mean, it's starting wants, to get really messy. Guarantees. That's the thing. Ravens don't want to give him that. Many You're right. Guarantees. You're totally right. And guarantees. don't you understand why, though, too? Yeah. I mean, they, they both have injury-related reasons, right? Like the, mm -hmm. the Ravens are, are rightfully concerned about his injury history. Lamar is rightfully concerned about his injury history. Absolutely. Um, so he wants guarantees and the Ravens don't want it. So that's the issue. Deshaun Watson screwed up that market a lot. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he like the Kirk Cousins guarantee thing, a lot of people will talk about that, but like it's that very like that crazy. there's a reason that Kirk Cousins' deals were not very long. It's because mm -hmm. of those guarantees. Um, Deshaun Watson's deal is long and guaranteed, and that is a bigger kind of wrench in the works. Right. No, good point. Wolf, that is a rough place. That's the Minnesota football party for today. That's Luke Inman at Luke underscore Spinman. Locked on Sports Minnesota, Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network at Arif Hassan NFL, and Luke Braun. Hear him on Locked on Vikings Daily at Luke Braun NFL. And check out his uh, Vikings documentary on his Patreon, which is very informative. And if you want to hear more about that 1987 season he was talking about, I'm sure it's detailed on that doc. So go oh, yeah. check that out. Uh, and I'm he Sam Ekstrom. Play quarterback. At Sam Ekstrom. Replacement players. That alone, that, that would be worth the uh, worth the watch on the doc. Um, so check that out, and we'll, we'll be back on Monday talking about all that transpires over the weekend in the National Football League and the Minnesota Vikings. Until then, it's the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports, Minnesota. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.